Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Boom. We are back once again. We almost got the full crew. We're looking at Prince's forehead, but we, we, we... we we almost got the full crew. Once again, the, the the kids are not cooperating. So last week it was Miles, this week it's JR. But we're here, we're talking Vikings. We're gonna jump into this thing and uh we're gonna take a bit of a look back. We've had a bit of time to process the gut wrenching, heartbreaking loss that uh that was this past weekend's game. And uh yeah, so we're gonna try to jump into it now and maybe break things down. With a, a little less emotion, a little bit more reason, talk about the team. Okay, well, Prince maybe Prince maybe is not about that. But before we go too far in it, uh, my name is Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And uh, my man Miles, wide receiver one. How you doing? How you been? What up? What up? I'm doing you know as good as can be. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, that'll work. And what up, Michael? Michael Harley King the second. How you doing? Good to have you repping from Facebook. And uh, we got the man. It is not Anthony Anderson. I know some of you might have been thinking it was Anthony Anderson, but it's not Anthony Anderson. It is the man, Yinkayende, the sexy prince. How you doing, my, my dude? It's been a while. The last time you were here, you were in the car. Your internet was, you know, not really doing what the internet was supposed to be doing. But we got you at the house with good lighting. You got the earbuds in, ready to go. How you doing, my man? You know, I'm I'm as good as an O and two fan football fan can be, you know. So Well let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because um I mean some might say we're the best O and two team in the league. <laughs> you know, uh per it's FPI FPI stats say that we still have like a thirty two percent chance to make the playoffs, even though we're sitting at O and two right now. And so, Miles, I'm going to start with you on this one. Like, right after the game, I know it hurt. And so we were talking about the kicker. We were second-guessing Zim's decision-making, game management. You know, were we aggressive enough? <clears throat> Given a bit of time and space from the game, um, I guess what are your general thoughts now about how things went versus the Cardinals? Um, and just kind of going from the beginning through to the end, kind of like how the team came out, how you were feeling about them. And then, like, what you actually think about this Vikings team, this roster, given that they are 0-2, but, I mean, they have played both the teams they played kind of tough so far. Yeah. It was disheartening for sure. I think the Vikings came out and did kind of what I expected them to do. After after losing last week, they came out, uh, hit that big that big uh, shot to, to Osborne for the touchdown uh, on the first drive. Uh, they went toe-to-toe with the, the Cardinals in that first half, just kind of exchanging blows back and forth, um, which is kind of, what, I, like I said, what I expected. Uh, I expected them to open things up a little bit more than what they did against the Bengals, and, and they did that. Uh, they got the run game going. They got Dalvin going. Um, you know, they obviously got uh, Osborne. I mean, Osborne stepping up, becoming that guy. I mean, we don't need to get into it right now, but I, I'm still a little bit worried about what their role is for Je- Justin Jefferson within the offense. Just similarly to what I had issues with with Diggs, it's not it's not the fact that uh, again not trying to get too deep into it, but I I just I think I don't think they do enough to 
to create for the for for him for JJ to like to get him easy touches like he's your best offensive playmaker him and Dalvin Cook are your two best offensive playmakers like get the ball in their hands and I just don't think they do enough creatively to get the ball in JJ's hands and so um I just I think they need to evolve that a little bit more um but that's that's nitpicking I don't I don't we don't want to get too much into that because the offense did play really well on Sunday so um Justin uh, Jefferson did have a few drops uh the, the key drop late in the game um whether it would have changed the outcome of the game or not we don't know but he still he still missed it um Kirk played well I mean I thought overall um yeah shut up Ryan uh, <laughs> it might even be my camera it's actually not the funniest part is it's not it's just my camera anyways um what else is it uh yeah kirk played oh, we kirk played well gabs I thought, in the building uh, is that gab what's up um let's see i i thought i thought there was some my issue in the second half mainly was the fact that neither team wanted to win the fucking game like both teams had a chance to kind of put the game away in some capacity. Like the, the Cardinals went up or well, the Vikings had the pick six. They should have gone for two. At least in my opinion, they should have gone for two just to, just to know where you're at as you move forward in the rest of the half. Cause they, they only, they only kicked a field goal the rest of the game. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen. So for me, I'd like to know early if we need how many points we need, and, you know, losing by one, losing by two, doesn't really matter. You still lose. Um, the, but the, there was a point where the Vikings were up two points. Uh, they were up two most of that fourth quarter, and they had multiple chances to go down a drive and kind of put the game away and go up two scores, and they didn't do it. And, again, I'm not trying to put everything on the offense because the offense played well. They put up points. Uh, you know, they put up – well, the defense got six, but the the offense put up, you know, uh, you know, 27 points. So, you know, or 25 points, whatever the math is. Uh, the offense played well. That's kind of what I'm trying to say, and so you know they did what they needed to do to win the football game, and then that that, that last drive, they did everything they needed to do to win that game, and you know they got to make the kick. But there's just small things like uh, a team like this. Uh, we've talked about this all offseason. In my opinion, the Vikings don't have a large. There's not. There's no room for error. Like this team does not have a room for error. They don't. They they put that on themselves. You know, I think the depth has gotten better and than what we even expected to be, but. It's still not that great. So some of that margin for error is not there. So when you're up two two points late in the fourth quarter, you need to find a way to score a touchdown to get up two scores and put the game away. That's just something this team needs to start doing, and we haven't seen it for a while. So that's my only nitpick part of it. I think overall the offense did what they need to do to win the football game. Um, def- defensively, we got we to gotta figure something out, Zim. I, I like the three, four mixes, mixes going on in there, but – they got to figure out a way to stop somebody. And so their issue is at the back end. I think the cornerback position is really, it's, it's struggling. So we, we just got to see, I think, uh, I think it was a keep to leave on the broadcast at the best, like cornerbacks take a few weeks to kind of get up to speed during the, to get that game speed going for them because all off season and all, all preseason, they're not, it's hard to get ramped up. So it takes them a few weeks. I'm hoping we see a little bit more progression from the cornerback group as we go. All right. So Prince, uh, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about a little bit was, um, you know, Miles kind of touched on it a little bit. It was a good segue in that. So the team doesn't have much margin for error. And so with the team not having a lot of margin for error, one of the things that we really need is we need like the coaching and the decisions to really be on point. 
in order for the team to succeed. So, Prince, give me your take on, yeah, how things went from a coaching perspective in your view uh, in watching that game and maybe watching it back. Um, because, yeah, like Miles said, we're supposed to be, you know, a defensive football team if you listen to our coach uh, tell it. But our defense is terrible. The offense is going out there and they're doing it. They're doing their thing, which I know has got to hurt you just a little bit with Kirk Cousins out there as the number four ranked QB by Pro Football Focus. But uh, yeah, Prince, talk to me. What are you thinking about how Zim has been performing in his role as coach over these first couple weeks of the season? I think we talk a lot about, or even you hear coaches talk a lot about situational football. And Zim is one of those guys who he oftentimes has coached his players to, in this situation, this is how you behave. But it feels like Zim isn't doing that same thing for himself and the coaching staff. Like they're not doing situational football for them as coaches. Um, You know, when it is, when it's appropriate to go for two, uh, when it's appropriate to maybe like apply a little bit more pressure rather than sitting back and kind of more in that, um, not prevent, but it, it feels like the defense that we knew of old hasn't been there. We haven't, it feels like we haven't had a defense with teeth in a very, very long time. Um, so I, I, when I evaluate Zim, I look at him from the perspective of just like any other player, right? Um, it just doesn't seem like in those situational uh, aspects of the game, he, we find himself making questionable decisions. Now, I think it's a it's a bad argument to have. Well, it's like, well, if we if we're one play away from two being two and zero, or one field goal away, or you know, one you know decision or whatever the case is. I think that doesn't take into account the compounding um, poor decision making that Zim had keeps making over and over and over and over again, and that's what leads to the fact that again, yes, Kirk Cousins is uh, put in a situation where it's like. Again, if you don't if you don't trust your quarterback when you know you should be throwing the football, you're going to be in that situation where you have to settle for a 37 yard field goal. You know, uh, whereas like again, stats logic would just say make it easier for your kicker. You know, rather than running the football, you know, three times in a row. Um, it, it's those kinds of things where it's like Zim is failing in the very teachings that he's trying to give to his players, and it's like we as people have to start asking ourselves you know, year, what, eight now? Uh, when is he ever going to get better at this? Or just we just have to accept he's never going to be good at this. And we have to accept that this is likely going to be an 0-4 football team um, to start the first quarter of the season. And it's because we're going to keep finding ourselves in these, uh, these, these situational things where it's like the other team who's not as good as we are is beating us because they're they're performing better. So well, at least we I, got the Seahawks coming in, and we can trust that uh, Pete Carroll will make most of the same <laughs> stupid decisions that Mike Zimmer will make. So like that'll even things out, and uh, then yeah, we'll kind of see how things go from there. But, but that's the thing is like Russell Wilson completely cancels that out. See. Because then it's like coaching two coaches who make bad decisions. I'm like, okay, let's look at the next most important thing, and it's our quarterbacks, and you know Russell Wilson every time. I mean, okay. All right. I mean, Kirk is set up in a pretty good situation, and Kirk is balling at the moment. You know, like, we, use, we we generally think that, like, it takes Kirk a little while to get into things. You know, there's all the talk of Kirk Tober, but Kirk is balling. Like, Kirk Tober is happening right now, 
It's another game that he went out, put up great stats. Again, you know, the stats will kind of lie because then you can say that Kirk isn't clutch, whatever. But he's, for all intents and purposes, two weeks in a row, driven the team to a position to win the game. And, you know, circumstances out of his control caused that to not happen. So, Miles, I know sometimes we can be hard on Kirk Cousins around these parts, but, like, what have you seen? I mean, mostly Inca, but I I wasn't going to call anybody out their name. But, you know, uh, (laughs) how are you feeling about what you're seeing from Kirk, the offense, and I guess maybe, like, just how we're using the weapons. You've already talked to, like, Justin Jefferson, and you've been saying this for a while. Like, Adam Thielen is a baller. But he's also often given the easiest assignment for a wide receiver in the offense. He's moved around. He's off the line of scrimmage. And so he often gets a free release and kind of gets to go in and do some different things. Whereas you know, Justin Jefferson's role, Stefan Diggs before him, their role is one that's a bit more difficult from the perspective of playing the wide receiver position. How are you feeling about the offense overall? You mentioned K.J. Osborne. Like, how are you feeling about how things are coming together and what you're seeing from even Clint Kubiak, Kirk Cousins, the whole thing, um, now that we've gotten, you know, two games in? I will say they've done a really good job. Outside of the terrible trade for Chris Herndon, um, they've done a really good job of kind of replicating or replacing what they were hoping to get for, from Irv Smith and, and KJ Osborne. He's He stepped in and performed way better than I think anybody would have expected. Um, we were all critics after last year, the way he, he performed poorly and uh, and not even be able to get on the field on offense, but let alone uh, playing poorly on defense or on special teams, excuse me. Um, but they've done a really good job finding a way to find that third weapon that, that we've we've been asking for. Um, he stepped in and, and taken that rollover that, you know, Irv Smith was hoping to do, but um, I think he's done a really good job there. I think this game is specifically against the Cardinals. Kubiak did a really good job of um, – pre-snap motion and moving guys around. He didn't do that as much for week one. I think he was just getting his feet wet. Um, hopefully moving forward, we see a little bit more of that. Um, I think we, the continued play action needs to, it needs to, it, we need to see more of it. We need to see less of the, the, the first and second, second down runs, especially the second and long, like that stuff. They got to cut that from the playbook or at least limit it. Cause in those situations, I, I was told, I've had people tell me they shouldn't be running in those, or they shouldn't – why would they run play action in, like, first and 15 or, or second and 10? Well, why would they run the ball in those situations? If they're willing to run the ball in those situations, they should be willing to run play action in those situations. So um, play action is a, a big part of what Kirk Cousins does really well. Um, it's a good way to, to fool a defense or at least make a defense hesitate. So um, the hope is that they can progress in that way as they move forward. Um, I, I still – my – we've, we've, we've said this since Dalvin Cook – We've said this back when Adrian Peterson was here. The Vikings, my biggest issue with what the Vikings do with, at the running back position is they do a lot to invest in that position. You got Dalvin Cook, their second-round pick. They paid him a lot of money. You went, went and drafted Alexander Madison in the third round. Kenny Nuangu, we know he's hurt, but they drafted him in the fourth round. You know, Amir Abdullah's there. They got all these running backs, and they never use any of them but Dalvin Cook. And it's a 17-game season. We saw at the end of that game uh, against uh, against the Cardinals how banged up he looked. Uh, looked like he tweaked an ankle. Uh, looked like he just looked like exhausted. And that dude has it's week two, and that dude looks like he's like he's already played like ten games this season. So the Vikings need to find a way 
to incorporate other parts to the offense so that they don't need to rely 90% of what they do success to be successful from Dalvin, Dalvin cook that. And that's been the biggest issue with this offense is when the run game doesn't go, the offense doesn't go. And that shouldn't, it shouldn't work that way. They should still be able to run play action. They should still be able to have explosive uh, passing game and still utilize Dalvin cook efficiently. The issue is they just rely on him so heavily on, and some of the most, in the issue in the scenarios where they shouldn't be like the second and longs and getting yourself into third and third and medium and third and long situations. That's when you get into the, the three and outs and those, those types of things. So um, those are some of my nitpicking issues. I think we've, we've seen it for years, so it's nothing new. Um, and then back to the Justin Jefferson situation. I think, um, I think for me, like I said before, I, if you're going to have KG Osborne in the mix, he's played really well. You shouldn't – you should – don't – like, Justin Jefferson should be seeing twice as many targets as, as K.J. Osborne. And that's not a slight against K.J. Osborne. He's earned the right to be on the field and to see opportunities. But why not put J.J. in some of those situations where K.J. is getting the one-on-one matchups in the slot or you're moving him around pre-snap? Like, Justin Jefferson should be your – Devontae Adams. He should be your Stephon Diggs. He should be your um, De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'll, you name all the top top receivers in the league. JJ, Does he look right JJ to you, though, Miles? Does he look right to you? Because, like, last I year, think... everything seemed to come really easy, and you could see the swag, you could see the confidence, yeah, yeah. and it feels, and again, you know, this could just be me over-reading things, misinterpreting, he feels like maybe he's pressing a little bit. He doesn't seem, like, as at ease. He seems to be bothered, he seemed to be bothered, especially in the Arizona game, with the cornerbacks being a bit more physical with them. Um, like, what are you seeing? Breaking it down. Obviously, you played, you know, wide receiver. You played uh, in college. When you're seeing him kind of, you know, play the game, are you noticing any technical differences in terms of what he's doing out there this year versus last year, or does it feel like maybe he's just pressing a little bit and and trying to live up to some of the hype that he created for himself, kind of, you know, busting out as a rookie? I mean, I think there's definitely some of that like internal pressure for himself, like. He he told he he's already said it. He wants to be better than what he was last year. That's a hard that's a hard bar to set for yourself. Um, but what I see is I see the frustration in, in how he's being utilized in the offense. From from the body language, you see some of the the opportunity. Like you see his body language after some plays, and you just see him down. And that's where I like I, I've already seen people compare the like Stephon Diggs situation, and I don't. We're definitely not there, but we're where we need to be cautious about is, is he is your best offensive playmaker in the past game. Like it's, it's like Adam Thielen's a baller. Like we've talked about that. It's nothing against Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson is just a more dynamic player than him. It's just facts. And so you should be utilizing him as best you can. And, and every drive should find a way to get him a touch or get him involved in some capacity because wide receivers they want the like if you get them involved early, you'll have them involved the rest of the game or mentally involved the, the whole game. If but you're not going to get them involved target. early, I mean, Justin Jefferson had ten targets to Adam Thielen seven. So like maybe fair, break it fair. down a little bit more to help us understand sure, like sure. the difference well, in those targets because when you look yeah. at the box score, it looks like the Vikings yeah, yeah. are doing everything we're asking them to do. Well, be, so be, there's a couple drops. So there's that's on him. I mean, that's just on JJ. He, he doesn't have some of the same swagger, some of the same uh, – I, I don't want to say confidence because the, the confidence has always seemed to be there. 
But you you can like to your point, Jason. He's he does seem to be pressing a little bit. I think um, it could be play calling. It could be a variety of like coverages he's seeing. It could be a variety of uh, press coverage. I mean, he looks like Justin Jefferson from like a physical standpoint. But me- like you can just tell there's something mentally. He's just it it's not clicking for him right now. And so I'm not. That's where I say like find different ways to get him the ball. Because I think if you can find ways to get him out of his own head and get him get his confidence up or just get his his overall demeanor up, I think that's just going to go a long way. Um, but from like a technical standpoint, everything looks looks on point. Everything he's getting open. You know, I I can't I can't say it. every route is is precise or always always open. But at the same time, the the one thing that we saw last year that we're not seeing as much from. Uh, um, Justin Jefferson is we're not seeing him get the same opportunities in, in some of those, uh, tight, uh, tight coverage situations. Like Kirk, Kirk gave Justin a lot of, a lot of, uh, opportunities last year in tight, in tight situations. And you're not seeing it as much this year. So, so far. Um, and that could also be Kirk, not having that fully, that full trust in JJ right now. I mean, that could be part of it. And obviously he's got it with Thielen. KJ Osborne stepping up. He's got it. He, he seems to have it there. So, um, JJ dropping that pass late in the game. I mean, Obviously, he's your playmaker, so I think moving forward, everything will be okay. But the, yeah, you, to your point, there there is something going on. I'm not, I can't pinpoint it. I don't want to assume like what's going on behind the scenes, but just from what I've seen and how he's u- utilized, I just feel like there's there's more to be desired in how they could use him. All right, Prince, I'm gonna flip to the other side of the ball, and uh, for a player at like the other be, end Eric, of the spectrum. Right now, uh, why is Brashad Breeland playing so many snaps? Why is he on the field? What is your read on that situation? Obviously, you're not in the locker room. You don't actually know. But, like, Breeland has been the mark the last two games. Well, the only two games we played this year. We heard all the hype in the offseason. But teams are just picking on Brashad Breeland at this point is what it feels like. We had some busted coverages from some other guys as well. So, like, the secondary has not lived up to the hype across the board. But Brashad Breeland, what is it? I think Chris Thompson tweeted that he's ranked, like, 99th of of cornerbacks in the NFL right now based on his overall grade. He's playing horribly. And then you did finally see Danstler get in the game, and he had some plays that looked like last year. So, Prince, what's your take on that situation why is Breland still playing so much? Why is he still the starter? And why is Dantzler only being used as sparingly as he is? It's a good question, Jason. Um, I honestly wish I knew. Um, it feels like the Breland um, inclusion feels a combination of, I guess, the Vikings' investment into him for the for this offseason on top of whatever is going on between the coaching staff and uh, Cam Dancer, it seems like there's a, there's a trust issue with Cam Dancer. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's like, it may be an argument between Dancer and the coaching staff or uh, he, he's maybe freelancing a little bit more so than he should. Uh, but I don't understand why we're utilizing Breland as much as we, we have been. I mean, it also could just be as simple as like, Breland could just be better in what Zim is trying to get accomplished uh, than Dancer is. Um, I, I would have to drill a little bit more into the tape, but it, 
I, I can honestly can't, can't give you a good reason why Breland is continuing it, especially as much as he's getting picked on game after game. Um, uh, my hope is that maybe we see uh, why they've made this in, uh, so much of an investment over the next couple of games. Um, but my, my worry is that this is not going to improve the way that things are going. Yeah, Camp. Yeah, and to your point, like, Dancer, it's clear Dancer didn't have a good offseason. I mean, I, I, there's the there's the injury. Maybe maybe he got hurt doing something stupid in the in the offseason before uh, uh, spring OTAs because they just didn't seem happy about it. And then going into camp, um, obviously still still felt like there was some tension there or something going on because they seemed very adamant about um, Freeland being being that starter opposite Patrick Peterson. Like it felt like no matter what Dancer was going to do. That it was going to be Brilliant's job to to lose, and and obviously Dancer didn't. He struggled as well, but um, it felt like there was a little bit of a tension there. And I, we don't like I don't we don't know the story, but it feels like there was something there, and uh, you know, and that seems to have played into in the Dancer's like you know p- poor off season. So so hopefully last week uh, to I think uh, who is it uh, Seth to Seth's point, you know, Zim saying he had a good practice, and then he showed it in the game. Uh, on the few opportunities he he saw when he played, and you know, hopefully there's there's some room for him to have that opportunity moving forward. The one thing that we're used to seeing with Zimmer, when he has young cornerbacks, he likes to have them sprinkle in rather than trial by fire. I, I, last year was an outlier. I I don't think Zim wanted to go into last year with all rookie cornerbacks. I think that was just more of an outlier situation that they had to go through. Um, but typically, like what we saw with Mike Hughes, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes. All those guys had veterans play in front of them, albeit better be- veterans than, than what Breland's played like, but better veterans in general. Um, and to let those guys learn and develop, obviously Breland hasn't really played up to it. I think Dancer's got a, obviously an opportunity to, to be a better player than, than Breland does right now. But um, I think there's a there's a plan in place for, for Dancer. So I think hopefully – this means as you see a little bit of that progress that you'll just continue to see it moving forward. All right. So one of the bright spots, I guess we'll say is that in this game, like the Vikings defense was able to get some more pressure. Daniel Hunter looked more like himself. He was playing more aggressively, chasing plays down in the run, getting after Kyler Murray, getting some sacks. Um, But then again, you know, uh, ESPN releases some of their advanced analytics that basically say that the Vikings pass rush win rate is not great, that their run blocking, um, excuse me, their, their, their rushing um, rate on the defensive line, also not great, pointing to the fact that like some of the success that they've had early in the season may be unsustainable. Maybe that the, the rate at which they're converting pressures to sacks, not going to happen. Um, and so like as we start to spin this thing forward and we're looking at the, the next matchup, because Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback, gave the team fits. But he also, young quarterback, like Miles said earlier in the show, really was doing everything he could to keep the Vikings in the game. Uh, throwing interceptions, throwing the pick six. Um, we got another quarterback you know, coming up you know, in Russell Wilson, who also has some, uh, some great weapons at his disposal. And so, like Miles, as you as you start to think about this matchup, understanding that you probably haven't dug super deep into into tape or anything like that, what uh, what are you expecting to see? And like, what adjustments can the Vikings defense make coming out of that Arizona game going into this next one? I 
I, obviously, the the busted coverages from the Cardinals game. I don't think we're going to see that same type of thing from uh, against the Seahawks. Um, that one, I think the way the way Murray moves compared to Russell, Murray's an overall more like dynamic runner. Russell's a really good runner. He he's really good at escaping the pocket, but he's obviously not the same type of athlete as uh, as as Kyler Murray. Not many people are. Um, but we've seen Zimmer have a plan for Russell Wilson, so I think. Um, because I feel like they've played them so many times now. So I think Zimmer Zimmer has a plan and they're going to Russell Wilson's not as good beating you from the pocket. He likes to be able to be mobile and be able to move around and, and create with his legs while to, to create big plays. And so, um, I think Zimmer is going to find a way to, to contain him in the pocket because that's usually when, when they, they play the best against, against Wilson. So, um, but the weapons to your point, you know, they got Gerald Everett as a tight end that they signed, who's, who's pretty good. He's athletic. And then you talk about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, arguably they're, you know, arguably the best, one of the best uh, wide receiver duos in the league. Um, they're up there that, you know, both those guys are really good players. DK killed us last year. Um, he had the game winning touchdown and um, uh, I think he had a, a, a big fourth, uh, fourth down catch as well. And um, you know, DK is that big, big play threat, but Tyler Lockett's been the guy for them this so far this year where um, he stepped up and, um, he's been kind of taken over that as, as the deep threat. And I think it's because all the attention has been going to, to DK. So the one thing that um, the Vikings can't do is let one or the other, both guys can are deep threats and both guys can win downfield. So um, been able to do what Ryan leave. Uh, I'm guessing he's saying throw down Russell Wilson. Yeah. Contain Russell, I think is what they, Ryan. They, I mean, I mean, they've, they've contained, they've contained him before and they've, it's it's not always every single drive it's not every single play but they've done they've done jobs where they can where they can contain them enough to keep themselves in the game and that's what we've seen the last few uh the last few matchups against the Seahawks is it's not always containing Russell Wilson that's that's damn near impossible it's the fact that you find the times to be able to dial up pressure at the right time get him off his game a little bit and make sure that you can get the defense off the field that's that's more what I'm trying to say um, so I, I think, I think Zimmer, Zimmer can, can contain Russ at certain times of the game, um, more than it is like an entire game containing Russell Wilson for an entire game is that's, that's like damn near impossible. Nobody really does it. So that's more what I mean. Um, and, and I DK think one of the Tyler things Lockett, I want to point out, yeah. one of the things I want to point out is that like process versus results, like Russell Wilson is an amazing quarterback and you can right. see the like the process, like the the strategy that the Vikings tend to bring, and we've seen it frustrate Russell Wilson in a lot of games where they do uh, kind of slow down the pass rush. The defensive ends just go upfield and then just kind of sit and then work back in so that Russ can't break contain and really force Russ to work from inside the pocket. And we've seen right. that slow Russell Wilson down and make it difficult for the Seahawks to sustain drives over and over and over again. But what we've also seen is that because Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, he hits on just enough plays over the course of the game, and we often haven't been able to match that on our side of the ball right. to, to keep up with them. But like what Miles was saying is that strategically, we've been able to slow Russ down. Like they haven't been just like rush going up and down the field on us. Russell Wilson just Russell Wilson, and he's made plays to to beat us. Um, but he hasn't played at the same level maybe that he has against some other teams. So I, I get what you're saying right. uh, on, yep. on that front there. And yeah, I think there's some validity to that. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm very curious to see kind of how this plays out. So Prince, 
Over our to corner, you. It's our corner. It's our cornerback. So real quick, Jason, it's it's the cornerbacks like Patrick Peterson and Cam Dancer or Breland, whoever is is playing that outside cornerback, and then obviously Mackenzie Alexander. Like those guys need to play well, and so far we haven't seen enough from the cornerback position, and you need you need to see those guys start stepping up. Yeah, Prince, defensively, and Miles maybe just gave you the answer, but as you're thinking about this game, because this is one of those things, even the Arizona game was one that, like, you know, most of us thought we were going to lose going in. I, I thought, and I was feeling good about it for a hot second there in the first half, that, like, the Vikings might be able to pull the upset. I threw it into the the score prediction with Flip, and then, you know, it just went the other way, and, like, you know, we lost in, like, the most Vikings way, Viking way possible. This is another one of those games, because we do play the Seahawks so often, that like most everyone is just going to assume that we're going to get run out of the gym by the Seahawks, but the Seahawks, like they have a lot of Vikings in them in the way that they do things. And I feel like they might keep us in this game as well. So like, as you're thinking about it, what are the best chances for the Vikings to go into this game and, and, you know, win one at home? Um, And Miles did start touching on it. Uh, I think keeping Russell Wilson in the pocket is super important. Uh, you know, I'm remembering back to 2016 when we had a little bit of success in them, uh, you know, obviously the Blair Wash uh, missed game. But uh, one thing that you found in, outside of it just being like a really cold weather game is the success about keeping Russell Wilson in the pocket. And the one time that we had, uh, you know, an explosive play against us was uh, they had like a fumbled snap and, you know, Captain Munderland had that broken container and Russell was able to create, you know, outside the pocket. So that's something you see him do time and time again in his career. Um, and I think that uh, here's the thing is he's going to get his. Uh, he's just too good of a quarterback for him not to be able to get those plays. Um, but I, I think you can limit those explosive plays. Um, I, similar to what Miles was saying, uh, limit, limiting the kind of busted coverages that we saw. And I think a lot of those were miscommunication. Um, so knowing that this defense is still on, especially on that back end, is uh, so important. But that goes back into the point that I had last week about there needs to be there needs to be a leader some somewhere. We just don't have that. Um, I'm hoping that we do get it, but we just don't have it right now. So I think I think if the Vikings are going to be able to pull up the upset upset, it it is definitely going to be containing Russell Wilson um, and uh, limiting what he can do while the offense you know can keep uh, putting up points. And do not rely on special teams. <laughs> yeah, you're Ryan, there's there's not enough books to fill the bookshelf. So there's like an old Sega over there. Uh, like yeah, it's just, it's just a bunch of old video game systems and like microphones and stuff back there, and like two rows of books. So yeah, not 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 doing too scholarly. It was just too big to move out the room. So you know, I'm, I'm not living like Flip over here with like you know leather bound books all in the background and really expensive whiskey. One day. One day I'll get myself to that status, but not quite yet. Uh, Miles, I guess I'll flip it back to you. Same question. As you're thinking about this, what do the Vikings need to do to pull you know, this upset? What do the Vikings need to do to win this game? I mean, they're going to need to score. I, I think that's going to be a lot of what we see this season. I mean, this offense is going to have to score. You know, it's it can't just be the – we score 21 points and we win the game type of offense anymore. Like that's what Zimmer used to be able to thrive off of this, this, this offense needs to score, you know, 27 plus that's, that's just the way they're, that's the, where they're at with the way their defense has been playing. So they're going to have to score I, that they're not going to contain Russ enough 
with to not to not be able to score in my opinion so um that that's it i mean for me that's the key and then obviously find find ways to make key stops uh and and try to find a way to put the game away i mean you can't you can't let it always come down to the last second you know a last second need from a specialist or or for, from someone else find a way to win the game uh in regulation before the end but what's that way what do you Okay, so we need to score. How would you like to see them go about scoring? Do you think this is a Dalvin well, so, game? Do you think that like Dalvin's still going to be nicked up going to this game? Like, how do you expect I'm the Vikings to, see to attack the Seahawks? I am curious to see. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a practice or two this week just because they want him to get some rest. But um, it's it does really matter about does come out down to like how he's feeling. Um, they're always going to try to get him going. Like Dalvin's there. Dalvin is the guy that they is the 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 straw that stirs their drink for offense. Like it is, it is. He is. He's their guy. So they will always use him first. He's always the guy that they try to get the the jump start on the offense. So how he, how the offense goes is by usually how he goes. Um, so if they can get him dialed up early, I think that's obviously going to go a long way. Um, if they can set the tone, you know, four or five yards a clip on the ground, that's obviously going to going to come into play for some uh, deep shots the the Seahawks their their defensive backfield isn't all that great I mean Jamal Adams is, is more of a linebacker than he is a, like a, a DB so can they find a way to hit a few explosive plays I mean the the Seahawks are a team that, that give it up so they get they got to hit some explosive plays um, and that they do like it's got to be kind of like what we saw from the Cardinals game like they need a combination of the run game and the pass game to both click because when the run game doesn't click, they don't seem to click the same way on offense. So you need to see it from both. Ryan will be there making a bunch of noise. So Prince, uh, you and Miles have both told me how you think it could go down, how the Vikings can get this victory. So we're going to bring this thing home. And uh, actually, before we bring it home, I'm going to, because I see that, you know, we do have a question here in the chat. Uh Prince, do you think this is the game that we see Derisaw and or Anthony Barr? Uh, I think we uh, don't see either of them. Uh, I think what Anthony Barr is dealing with is a lot more serious. Um, I honestly don't see him. We uh, we probably won't see Anthony Barr until game five or six. Um, and Derisaw, I'd probably say close to the same because it seems like they're dealing with much more serious issues that if you rush them back, they'd be done for the season. So I don't think that we're going to see them at all this game. Okay. Definitive. From the Prince. Okay. Now, uh, what is your score prediction? And instead of a bold prediction, uh, who's the player from the Vikings that we will be talking about after this game that isn't one of our stars? Uh, Score prediction, I'm going to give 37-30 Seahawks. um, And the... The player that I think is uh, that we um, is going to be really important. I'm going to say Xavier Woods. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be mine too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miles. What's your score prediction? And um, what is your new player that we're going to be talking about after this game? Uh, I think thirty-four twenty-eight. Uh, I want to say Vikings. I'm going to go Vikings just because it just feels like one of those times like the Vikings are going to win. Like, like it, they shouldn't, but they're going to. So, Hey, 
screw it. I'm going to go for it. Let's go. Vikings 38, 34-28. I think the player will – I mean, I don't think he's, like, that good. But, like, Nick Vigil has flashed quite a bit the the first two weeks. So I'm going to go Nick Vigil. I I don't – I'm not I'm not saying he's like a a star on the rise type of guy but like he's flashed so I think there's there's something there with him that uh he's done a good job replacing Anthony Barr the first two weeks so I think we'll see a little bit more from him. Is Nick Vigil the new Audi Cole? Should we trade Anthony Barr with the emergence of Nick Vigil? Will Miles take back his take from the offseason that the Vikings spend too much investment on linebackers now that Nick Vigil has emerged into a bona fide super. I can't even finish that one. I'm done. Uh, viewers, thanks for coming through. Thanks for hanging with us. Prince, Miles, as always, thanks for coming and chopping it up. Listeners, if you're here at a later point in time, come through live. We're here every night. It's good times. It's fun for everybody. Head on over to YouTube, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Or head on over to the Daily Norseman Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, we will be here again tomorrow with Vikings Happy Hour, back on Thursday with Vikings Hot Takes, and then back again on Saturday with two old bloggers. Dave, play the music? Or do you have some announcements to make? Which one are we going with right now? Going with the music. And, of course, hit the music. Skull, Skull. everyone. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. <laughs>